for this morning as to the reason why we worship him. I want to deal with how we ought to be a Christ-centered church. I have a few amens here this morning because I want us to understand that Sunday after Sunday, Monday to through Friday and Saturday, again, that whenever we come into this place, that we come with the right purpose uh, in mind. We have people that turn on TV, and that's their pastor. But in time of need, that pastor don't know their name. But when it comes to need, they open up the phone books and they start looking for people to call on. We turn on to people find their favorite podcast, their favorite radio preacher, and they tell them things that makes them feel good about themselves. But yet when life hits them, they have nothing to fall back on because they are listening to a man speaking of God instead of listening to God. We have to be careful that we don't start listening to things that's going to make us feel better about ourselves, but start listening to things that make us do better for our God. And so in that process, I want us to focus on who it is that we worship. Looking in Hebrews first chapter, I'm going to highlight in our reading verses 1 through 4 and then verses 8 through 12. I want to highlight how this preacher and this writer of Hebrews speaks of Jesus and shows to us how high and exalted he is. Jesus is great. He is awesome. He is worthy to be praised. And when I think about that, how many people think they need something more to go to church. I need a light show, I need a smoke screen, I need entertainment, I need something, but all I need is Jesus. He by himself is worth it alone. And, and so when we think about that, we realize that I got to make it. Because <laughs> it's about Jesus. Hebrews, uh, first chapter, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Those who can stand in honor of reading of God's word, please uh, do so. I'm going to be right here. I promise you uh, I won't be here too long because I'm just going to stay right here. (laughs) Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the sun is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Verse 8, but to the sun, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. 
Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. He also says to the son in the beginning, Lord, you lay the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Why do we worship him? Who is him? <laughs> Who is he? To answer this, let's look at what the writer of Hebrews says to us, how God reveals himself to us. The writer tells us that God has spoken in the past in fragments, in partial ways, in various ways, in different ways. And then also he says God spoke through uh, the prophets. Looking at this first verse shows us that God desired to communicate and connect with his creation. This also shows that God is an audible God. I tell you, my God talks. <laughs> Buddha just sits, but I'm moving on. God is able to talk and speak so that we can understand. God spoke audibly as he did to Adam in the garden. He spoke to Moses through a burning bush, and he gave Balaam's donkey the ability to speak. God is even speaking through his creation. God even spoke creation into existence. Just think about it again, that long ago, God spoke many times in many ways. As I think about this, that I was reading and studying, a writer said it this way, that God interrupted the silence. Think about it for a moment. As I was reading that, I said, how clear that is. Aren't you watching a TV show? Don't you tell people to be quiet? Because you don't want them to interrupt you. You was watching the news and you was waiting for that one story to come on and the phone rings. <laughs> and you try to turn the volume down because you don't want anything to interrupt it. But what I find here is that God sees us in terrible peril situations and he interrupts the silence by speaking to his creation. We see here that he spoke in many ways. He can speak audibly and when he spoke, he would shake the mountains. Matter of fact, that's why they got scared. Said, said, God, don't talk to us. Just talk to Moses and we'll take it from here. But through the disconnect of them hearing his voice, they got bored and told Aaron, well, Moses has been gone too long. We need to make another God. Tell your neighbor, keep your ears open. Because we need to be open to hear what God has to say that we can remove the lies of the enemy because God desires to communicate to us. And so when we realize that God is communicating to us, he knows he has to speak to us through different ways. He caught Moses with a bush that's on fire, but wasn't on fire. 
but there was fire there. <laughs> he, he, he was able to speak and shake the mountains to the children of Israel. He was able to speak to them through clouds. He was ascend and shake with thunder and lightning. He was able to speak through Elijah in a still, calm voice of the wind. Romans says that evidence of his creation is all around us, that we are without excuse. Psalm 19 says how the trees, the winds, the heavens, they proclaim his glory. And so if they can proclaim his glory and speak and, un, and, and, and truly acknowledge him, if God can tell the waters you can only go so far and they obey him, if he tells the sun to go up in the skies and it obeys him, how much more do we need to know who he is and obey him? Because then we see how God has spoken in times past. You catch that? In times past, he had modes of communication. And these modes of communications came in different ways and, and parcel of a revelation of the revelation they were waiting to come. That even he used the prophets to proclaim. And we realize the prophets did some miraculous things. Ezekiel, which has, we saw some dry bones. And he said, God said, what can these bones do? He said, Lord, only you know. We realize that no matter the, the prophets and their power, they were still limited to only to what God allowed them to do. So God says, I've given you this part, but I was just setting it up for the son. Because he says, and now in these final days, in the days are we waiting to, of the returning of our Lord and Savior. He has spoken to us through his son. And, and I want you to grab here that he's saying that this was a better mode of communication. Y'all catch that? They're saying this was better because the prophets were limited, but yet he sent himself in flesh to communicate to us because he makes clear who the son is. He says through the son, God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Did not God create the universe? Hmm. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character, the nature of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command or by his word. And then we look at verses uh, 8 to 12. We not only see that not only did he create the universe, he sustains the universe, but also he will end the universe. He is the first word and he's the last word. I'm just going to double check real quick. Y'all can check with me. I'm just turning to the, to the end of my Bible and Revelation, and I'm going to see what the last word says there. Oh, amen. It's there. The last word in the Bible is amen. And the Bible also refers to him as the amen. He is the first and the last word. He is sustaining us by his word. So one reason why I worship him, because he's the word. Somebody said, what do you mean he's the word? That means I go by what he says. And as long as he's still talking, I'm going to still walk. Because <laughs> I'm going to walk in his talking. His talking is his commands, his instructions, his directions that he has given me. And that is what I am going to trust more than I'll trust what you ever give me. The world cannot compete with his greatness. 
I like how the argument that Hebrews write gives to us that he compares him to the angels. But before he does that, he makes it clear and understanding that the, 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 the you know, before you get to the main attraction, you have the, the shows beforehand. He said, want you to know, before we got to the main event, we had these things come. <laughs> he had the opening act. He had the warm-up act. <laughs> he had the break band. He had everything in between, but here comes uh, the main attraction. And so when we see God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and by whom he made the universe, we find about the son is God's appointed heir. We find him, we see also see that by him, God made the universe, and nothing was made that was made without it. Go check John, first chapter, third verse. And, and Jesus is the brightness of his glory. His glory in Greek is doxon. Another, in the Hebrew, also means heavy. Heavy. Doxon. Heavy. I just think about that, that he's the heavyweight champion of the world. Undisputed. Undefeated. And still. <laughs> we see here that Jesus brought forth the power of God here on earth. And he was the express image, the nature and the character of God. John also goes on to say in his gospel that we beheld his glory. From grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, they beheld his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. We know how he said, peace, be still, and the water and the winds obey his commands. Let me go back again. So would not we obey his commands? If all creation is under his authority and power, how dare we rebel? How dare we say, no, God, I, I'm going to go my way. No, God, I'm going to do it this way, but I need you to bail me out. We need to obey. And then we see by himself, he purged out our sins. By living as a man, dying, uh, uh, as an innocent man, dying on the cross, becoming our sin offering, but defeating death by rising from the grave to do what? to sit down on the right hand of the majesty on high. If you just look in those first three verses, you could say, who's like my God? So the reason why I worship him because he's, 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 uh, he's sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high. But before he sat down, he did some work. He cleansed me. He purified me. He saved me from the darkness of sin. And that's why I worship him. I don't worship him because I got a fat bank account. I don't worship him because I got a nice house. I don't worship him because I got food on the table. I worship him because he is God. It's time out for us to cheat God like he's Walmart. Come by just when we want something. Like a convenient mark, coming by when it's convenient and we need to get something real quick. Uh, we need to realize that he is worthy of 24-7 praise. Therefore, the son is better than angels. The son has more excellent name than the angels. Y'all know we only know two names and the uh, angels have two names, Gabriel and Michael, only, only two. Out of all the angels, we only know two names. And they're not even that great. Because his name is greater. God did not say to any angel, I have begotten you. 
I will be your father and you will be my son. In addition, God had the angels worship Jesus past, present, and future. For the future, go back in Revelation, you're going to see they're worshiping him. In the past, just go look back, at the, definitely at the manger, you find the angels came and worship him. But in the past, they come by and worship him every day, just look, because he created them. So for this reason, God says, to him, to, says this to, about his son. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be your scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and, and hated wickedness. You know, just look at how beautifully God wants to bless him and give him exceeding joy. And he points out to him that in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are at work at your hand. He's pointing to us, saying that how great my son is, he is greater than these angels. What I want to highlight here, that there may, there may have been an issue with the church that the letter was written to about worshiping angels, but I doubt it because he just, he's the last time he speaks of the angels. He moves on to something. What he's pointing out to us that I think about this, that we think of that psalm says, what is God? To be mindful of me, to make me just a little bit below the angels. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What is God to be mindful of me? To make me just a little bit below the angels. Wait a minute, Jesus came a little bit below the angels. Mm, mm, mm. Men, when they saw angels, were shocked and appalled and fell down to worship them. The angels stopped and said, Don't worship us. We just a messenger. But yet, the Son of God came down a little bit below the angels. Why did he do that? Let me help somebody out. <laughs> Have you ever had to go back to pick something up? You was one place, but you had to double back. All right. And so Jesus was here, but he says, I got to go back. <laughs> I got to go back down there so I can break them through up here. Because they, he had to go down to become like us, a little bit below the angels, take on our sin, and die in the grave only to be exalted and be above the angels. And when he did that, guess what? He took us with him. So now that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, after he purged our sins, cast us, cast us, cast us, God did not say to the angels, you are my children, but he does say that to us. That we are co-heirs. That he is our father. We are his children. Those angels that we get excited for and people buy angels and put them on it and, and all those things. That's great. That's nice. That's a nice decoration. That's great. But still, we're greater than that. <laughs> he says, he says, the writer says, aren't the angels servants sent to care for the people who will inherit salvation? God has ambassador angels to watch over me and to protect me and to serve me because I am one with the Son. So this shows us the Son is God. 
The Son is eternal, for his throne lasts forever. He has accepted our right because he loves righteousness. He hates iniquity. That means we need to hate iniquity too. So God chose to anoint him and appoint him to great joy. Also, God declares the eternal existence of Jesus as God of creation, and his creation will and classes creation will fade away, but he will remain the same. Angel, angels as seen in verses 13 and 14, God did not sit any of them at his right hand. Instead, angels are called to minister. That is to serve and to attend us, the heirs of salvation, who are blood-washed believers, who know the exalted, only begotten Son of the Father, whose reign will never end. Then if Jesus has created me and holds all creation together, that is a reason to worship him. Jesus took the time to show us the Father by living among us. That is a reason to worship him. Jesus upholds all things by his word, and power is a reason to worship him. To know that he walked the earth, and Jesus was the brightness, radiance of his glory. Jesus was the exact express image of his glory, and that we were able to behold him, and we will one day soon see him. That's a reason to worship him, to know that God made him below the angels as the same as us to purge sin and break through the bondage of death and to be exalted above the angels and given a more superior name that's a reason to worship him Paul said therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a reason to worship him. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. With fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Uh, do you not understand a reason to worship him? It's because he is exalted above every name, that he is greater than will ever be. That's a reason to worship him. That he's done so much for us, we don't need to ask for anything else. We don't worship him. For monetary purposes. We don't worship him for good health. We don't worship him for our children in our household. We worship him for who he is. He is great. He is amazing. He is almighty. And so when we change our perspective that I'm walking into this place to worship him, not to be entertained by the choir, not to be entertained by the preacher, not for somebody to do something, but for me to say, God, thank you. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised because, Lord, you, you took on sin for me. You died on the cross for me. You defeated death for me. And then as you stop thinking about yourself, you start looking around and say, you did it for them? <laughs> you did it for them? Oh, God, you too good. <laughs> You've been a great God. That for you love the world, you gave your only begotten son. And I'm glad that he's at the right hand of the Father. And you know what it means that he's at the right hand of the Father? That means you got a direct connection to the Father. 
Hebrews writer goes on to say that he's interceding on our behalf. That means he got the right ear. <laughs> Sitting at the right hand of the Father. He can get right to our God. Say, I, I, hey, hey, why sober for them? They, they need me. They, 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 they in some trouble, but yet, yet we're going to protect them. We're going to bring them through. Why is that? Because they're my children. They call on my name, which is the greatest name. They call on me and know me as Lord. So when we forget about ourselves and concentrate on him, we can worship him in spirit and in truth because we look at it. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our savior. He's our provider. And everything else will pass away. Do you catch how he says the, the, the clouds and the heavens are like clothes? And you can just fold them and lay them down. And they will pass away, but he'll remain the same. But you know what he's waiting to do is to change us. So that we will be like him and be with him forever. So know that you can worship him because he's your father and he calls you his child and desires for you to be with him forever, forever. Every head got every eyes closed. Lord, we come just grateful, God, that you are worthy to be praised. Grateful, God, that you are an awesome God. And Father, Lord, we ask you to forgive us for times we've made it not about you, but we made it about our troubles our problems, our circumstances. But Lord, we want to confess today that you are God alone and you are worthy of the praise because you are just who you are, a holy God, a magnificent God, our sustainer, our provider. So Lord, let us not lead unto our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you and trust you and live for you. Lord, minister to us.